My name is Curtis Merriweather Jr. You are listening to the Business Profit Podcast. Are you an aspiring, new, or seasoned business professional? Then you're in the right place. This podcast is unlike other podcasts because we seek to create a synergistic relationship between business and theology. The insights shared on this podcast will stir your faith and give you the push needed to realize new dimensions as either a current or emerging business leader. Like many of you, I'm called to the marketplace. The boardroom is my pulpit. Therefore, I invite you to travel along this learning odyssey with me. So buckle up. Let's go. Well, welcome to another edition of the Business Profit Podcast. Well, I hope you guys are doing well today. Hope you guys had a great weekend last weekend. We get ready to go into a new weekend. Um, As of the date of this recording, we just came out of Memorial Day last week. So happy June to you all. Don't know you know, when you may be listening to this podcast, but for those who are listening to the current edition and in keeping up with the weekly episodes, I just want to wish you a happy June. Hope you are doing well. Well, today I have a very interesting thing I would like to discuss with you all. You know, um, you know, the name of this podcast is the Business Profit Podcast. So it takes two things that I love, which is my relationship with Jesus Christ and business. And it allows me to fuse those two dimensions of my life. Um, so, you know, in some recent time of me uh, doing devotion, uh, I was triggered, not in a bad way, but in a good way. I was triggered. And this is what I want to share with you guys. I try to be very purposeful when I come on these podcasts and not just talk about random things. Um, I could talk about a lot of stuff, but I want to make as much impact in your life as possible. Um, Some of you, I will never, ever be able to meet face to face. However, if we were to meet, I want to have an impactful conversation with you. And let's talk about some things that I've went through or maybe you're dealing with or maybe I have some insight on that will hopefully help you better navigate the way ahead. So this is one of those conversations. You know, I've had some great successes in my life and I've had failures in my life, just as we all have. And, you know, I've had some very notable things that happened in my life, which were, I mean, extremely positive, extremely amazing Um, Some of you know I was named a game changer by the White House in 2020, and a great honor. I was actually given that nomination by the former former, um, White House um, advisor for policy for innovation entrepreneurship. So went to Washington, D.C. in 2020, um, specifically in February. It was a great event, Um, had a great time, met some great, powerful, prolific people, and uh, had an opportunity to attend the uh, Black History Month celebration as well because it was the month of February. So had some great things in my life. As many of you know, I'm, I'm finishing up a Ph.D. And um, at a very, uh, I think, a very good school. Um, so I've had a lot of notable successes. You know, I made my first million dollars at 31 years of age, running a government contracting company where we did, you know, millions and millions in gross revenue annually. And uh, so I've had a lot of good success. However, you know, I want to talk about what we often don't talk about in success circles. 
everyone talks about, you know, the vehicles or the watches or excuse me, not watches, timepieces. Everyone talks about these things, um, but no one talks about the process of success. And I don't care what walk of life you come from. There is a process of success. You know, success, many people think it's overnight, but oftentimes it's a journey. And not enough people talk about the journey. Everyone talks about the glitz and the glamour and all of the trinkets of success, but not enough people are talking about the process. Um, I'm, I, you know, one of my favorite movies is the Rocky movies and, you know, um, growing up as a, as a kid and as a teenager, I love those movies. You know, all the, all the movies seem to be the same, you know, Rocky, uh, finds himself in a vulnerable spot, you know, he goes through this process. He wanted to throw his hands up in the air and Adrian comes in and gives him a pep talk, um, you know, especially in episodes or, well, not episodes, but, you know, Rocky, Rocky two, Rocky three, um, Rocky four, uh, Rocky five, of course, Adrian is um, no longer living. But someone shows up and gives uh, Sylvester Stallone, who plays the lead character of Rocky, someone gives him a pep talk along the way. He finds this sheer determination to win, and at the end of the story, he he ranks uh, victorious, although he may have went through some ups and downs on that process from the beginning to the end. And we all love a great underdog, rags-to-riches story. We all do. So I want to talk about that process, and I wanted to not uh, overly dramatize it, but I want to talk about the process of success or processing success. So, you know, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Um, I always say this, um, you know, this is a, um, this is a a real walk. You know, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes just like everyone else. Um, But I've had some degree of success, many would say. So I want to talk about when you are a God chaser and you are, you know, God gave you a promise, whether he spoke it to you, whether some um, spiritual authority um, told you what they believe God was saying about your life, whether you had a dream, however you receive this promise. And there's a variety of ways that you could have figured out what the plan of God was for your life. You know, maybe you just knew, I don't know, maybe as a child, you always knew you was going to do something. So however you arrived at the promise is not as important to me as much as we're going to talk about processing that success or, you know, maintaining patience during the process from the promise until the here it is. What does that look like? So that's what we want to talk about today. I'm calling it processing success. So at some point you were given a promise. And I talked about a few ways in which you may have gotten a promise, an idea, a dream, a goal. I don't, it doesn't matter to me what it is. But I need you to understand that in and of ourselves, we're just not smart enough. You know, everything that I have accomplished and that you've accomplished, whether you realize it or not, God was alone in that process with you, helping you. And sometimes we don't realize that God is helping us. But, I mean, I've been in situations in my own life in times past where no matter what I tried, no matter what I did, no matter 
how many degrees I have, and you know, guys know I have a few of them. Um, nothing appeared to work. And I remember being in those moments in my times of aloneness, at times of my devotion, saying, God, I don't know what is going on now, but all the things I have tried are not working. I don't know if you've been there. I have been there in times past and probably will be there again in the future. That's just life. You know, trials and tribulations come to us all. It's not about how much money you have or don't have. We all just, life is just a series of tests. Just, it's just what it is. So, you know, I, I remember being at a, a very low point in my life. Um, some of you guys know my story. My spouse passed away, late spouse passed away in 2014, and my life got literally flipped upside down. And this was one of those moments where, you know, when I was trying to quote unquote rebound or figure out how to move ahead, I went through a period of stuff just not working in my life, <laughs> just not working. You know, I'm laughing and choking and chuckling now, but I was not laughing then. But, you know, you get to a point where you realize I'm just not smart enough. If God does not help me, I am not going to make it. And that is probably the most powerful position you can ever be in in life when you realize the Lord, I need you. I, I can't do, I can't do this on my own. No matter how smart people think I am, no matter how um enduring no matter how much patience and perseverance I have we can just get to a point where we're the we're the end of ourselves and no matter how many great ideas you come up with it just seems like it's just not clicking for you I don't know if you've ever been there but it's a very humbling state to be in now of course this state was prior to you know some of the recognition I got from the White House and some of the other awards and accolades I've gotten over the years, but I remember being in that, that very vulnerable position, that vulnerable state where you're looking at all of the things and the goals and everything that you thought you had, and now they're not worth what, what you thought they would be. So, you know, do you have a goal? What's their promise? Is there something you're trying to achieve? And what I need you guys to understand, especially if you find yourself in a place that's contrary to where you thought you would be right now, I need you to understand that the heart of the king is in God's hand. And the scriptures are very clear. And these are things I had to tell myself in my most vulnerable moments. You know, God opens doors that a man cannot close, and God closes doors that no man can open. And we have to recognize even in some of the most contrary times in our lives for those who have who subscribed and follow Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and I recognize that that may not be everybody and that's okay but even if you believe in him or not I need you to understand he is the chief strategist in your life and that at some point you have to recognize that hey God I just I, I need your help I, I need your help maybe you've come to the end of yourself so first step is a understanding that there's a promise or some goal that you're trying to seek um, and recognize that internal desires cause action. We are who we are. We have what we have oftentimes because of thoughts, ideas, notions on the inside that manifested themselves externally. I know manifesting is a popular word today. Oftentimes it's taken out of context um, because we sometimes think we have way more ability and power than we really do um, and recognize that God is the source of all resources. So anything that we have in life came from him. 
and that be and 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 let me say this too. Whether you believe on him or not, any goodness that comes in your life is a direct byproduct of God. Let me let me just say that. Because I think in this day and age, we take way more credit than we should for whatever successes we have in our lives. But then when we don't have success, we want to blame God. So we want to take the credit for the success, but we want to blame him when things are not going the way that we that we think they should. Like you're the grand strategist and you're not. We're not. We're not. We're not. I think the most powerful thing you can recognize is when you recognize that you're not as powerful as you thought you were. That's probably the definition of humility. I just thought of that. It's probably the definition of humility when we recognize that I have come to the end of me and that I need him. But let me get back on track. We're talking about when you recognize a promise, a goal, an idea, however you got there. The first thing as a believer we have to recognize is that, Lord, I need your help in this, to fulfill this, to bring this to pass to see this goal, this desire, this promise come to fruition, to see it fulfilled. I can't do it on my own. That's number one. Number two, we need to embrace the wilderness. This is the processing. This is when it seems like your plan is not going the way you intended. It's taking longer than you anticipated. You might not have all the resources that you need to bring this thing to pass. We have to embrace the process and recognize that the process, the wilderness, um, purgatory, whatever you want to call it, recognize that that is for your good. Let me say this one more time. The process is for your good. That season where It's just not coming together the way that the business plan said it would. Let me say this. For all my business plan writers, which I I believe that the business plan is for you, not necessarily for the folks you're trying to show the business plan for. Now, I'm not saying that business plans are not used to raise capital through venture or through friends and family because those things happen. But the, the most important characteristic of the business plan is to solidify the plan in your mind? Do you understand the market? Do you understand who the, who your competitors are? Do you understand different price points? How are you going to promote the business? What is going to be the place in which that business is going to operate? Is it going to be online? Is it going to be, um, is it going to be a brick and mortar? Is it going to be some hybrid of that? The business plan should help you make sure that you understand who your market is. Have you properly segmented the market? Have you positioned the product properly in the minds of your consumers? What is the cost of uh, a sale? How much money do you have to spend to convert that into a sale? You know, these are just a few questions that you should be asking. What's the average ticket price? How do you maintain a repeat customer base? What's the basis of your pricing? Does your pricing include direct labor? Does it include overhead, G&A, French? Those things should be in your cost. You know, we go to we go to business schools and we learn the famous formula 
that total cost is my um, my fixed cost plus my variable cost equals my total cost. So in there you have your direct and your indirect cost uh, equals total cost. It's a different way to look at that. My directs and my indirects should give me a total cost. How do I take that total cost, come up with what we call a wrap rate in government contracting land to know that if it costs me $100 and I have a wrap rate of 1.7, I need to be charging the customer $170, which includes direct labor, um, my fringe benefits, my G&A, as well as my overhead. And, oh, let's not forget profit. So do you have a rep rate? But I didn't come on here to talk about <laughs> pricing strategy today. I'm talking about processing. So, you know, you know, this is called the Business Profit Podcast. So I have to at least give you um, some type of scriptural basis for what we're talking about. So the wilderness, this processing, the goal is that you, you submit to the inward crucifixion, which cripples the carnal nature. So your spirit should take precedence in this process. And you're, not, you're, you're no longer going to be driven by your senses, what you see, um, you know, how you feel. You're going you're to be driven inwardly in this wilderness process. This is when things are not working the way you intended. This is when everything appears to be going contrary to everything you planned. To, you know, the budget may not be enough. Just stuff just not working right. So we're going to call that the wilderness. Um, and in this process, you may recognize that you're full of self. You know, a lot of Christians, <laughs> and you guys know how I feel about that word. Uh, Christian is a religion. I believe, I believe that our, we should be relational. Uh, our relationship should be with Jesus Christ, not based on a title that we wear. But do you have relationship? Some of the most judgmental people on the planet subscribe that they're Christians. And that's self being in the way. God is not being exalted in that process. Now, that's not to say we shouldn't have standards and that those who maybe submitted themselves to your leadership do not adhere to standards. I'm not saying that. But we're so judgmental. We reckon, we feel like, you know, because you have been walking with Christ for such a period of time that you do no wrong. And we know that's not true. We know that's not true. And many people have vices, but because they, because you may not be struggling with those same vices, we sometimes find ourselves wanting to be judgmental of others. When God sees the good in all of us, all of us, because none of us, let's just be all the way 100. None of us are perfect by any stretch of the imagination. This, 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 this walk that we have, we should be constantly evolving and getting better. And if you feel like you've already arrived, already arrived you have already missed it. Because I don't care how good you're, you are, you can better your best. But I find some of the most judgmental people on the planet are those who say they're followers of Jesus Christ. But that's, <laughs> that's a conversation for a different day. So I want to give you a couple examples of people who were in the wilderness, people who were being processed um, on the way from, hey, I got to go, God gave me a promise. Whatever the situation may be, whatever the starting basis is, there's a processing period. Many people in Christendom call this the wilderness. <laughs> This is where you're like, God, where are you? You know, I had this goal. I believe this goal 
um, was given to me by you, or maybe this, um, this spiritual authority in my life told me that this is what God had for me, but I don't see any of it manifested in my life. If you're in that place, you're probably in what many would call the wilderness or you make, I mean, I call it the processing season. So if you're in your processing season, so number one, we had a promise. Number two, we're being processed. We're going through. We, we, we had something that got us started, but we're not to the end of where we envisioned we were going to be. That's called the promise or the prize, excuse me, the prize, the outcome, the end goal. So we got three, we got three things. So we got the promise. Now we're in the process. Now, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, you guys know I was raised in church. I am the son of a pastor. So I remember having my favorite Bible stories in Sunday school. So one of my favorite stories was the story of Joseph. Now, if you know anything about the life of Joseph, Joseph went through some stuff. You know, let's go back to the promise. He was, he had a dream and in his dream, he saw in his dream that his basically his his mom, dad, sisters and brothers or brothers were going to bow down to him. He had a dream. He saw the uh, sun and the moon bowing down to him. OK, so he had a dream that he was going to be in leadership. Now, Joseph was the favorite of his father, Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. Those sons end up being the 12 tribes. And, uh, you know, prophecy was fulfilled through the life of um, Jacob. But that aside, Joseph was given a coat of many colors. And <laughs> it's not a stretch to say that Joseph may have been a little prideful, a little boastful. He was walking around strutting his coat of many colors, telling his brothers about the dreams that he had that he believed came from God. And the brothers got angry. They hated Joseph. Now, Joseph had a promise that I'm going to be um, in leadership. I don't think he knew what leadership he was going to be in, but he had a glimpse that he was going to be the man. And so the brothers, hearing him boast, knowing that he's the favorite of, their, of, the, of, the, of the father, they said, we're going we to we kill him, and we're going to see what comes with these dreams. <laughs> so unbeknownst to Joseph, Joseph is getting ready to run smack dab in the middle. I'm from Georgia, y'all. He getting ready to run smack dab in the middle of, of, uh, of his wilderness experience, of his processing, let's call it. So they sell Joseph into slavery. Now, for those who may not know a lot about Jewish culture, I don't claim to be a, uh, a Jewish scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but what the experts say, they say that it's better to be born into slavery than sold into slavery. When you are enslaved, which is what basically would happen, they, instead of killing Joseph like they intended, they uh, faked his death to the father. They took his coat of many colors and they took an animal's blood and smeared the animal's blood on the coat and gave it to the father. But what they did was they sold their brother into slavery. They sold him into slavery. Now, Jacob, his father, Joseph's father, was a very wealthy man. So they took this wealthy heir and sold him into slavery. Now, when you're sold into slavery, you're a slave. If you get married, your wife's a slave. If you have kids, the kids are slaves. The whole lineage is in slavery. And now 
Jacob had enough wealth for that never to have occurred, but the brothers concocted a different plan. Now, what God does is when we find ourselves in these experiences, I'm not saying God caused them, but what God does is God uses those experiences to shape our character. Let me say it one more time. God uses those experiences to shape our character. See, your talent will take you places that your character can't keep you. Let me say it one more time. Your talent will take you places that your character cannot keep you or sustain. Who's an example of that? Saul. Saul had false humility. I'm coming back to Joseph. Saul had false humility. If you remember the story in the Bible, the children of Israel were crying out for a king. Saul appeared to be very humble. Soon as he got exalted, what did he do? He built the statue unto himself. So Saul had false humility. Now, Moses, on the other hand, said he was the most, he wrote, I'm the most humble man. Well, Moses understood something about humility because it takes a humble man to recognize the end of himself and all of, and that God is the source of all resources and that he couldn't do what he did without the help of God. So that was humility. But let me, let me get back. So Saul, soon as Saul got promoted, he made a statue into himself and he ended up marrying women who served other gods. So Saul, his, his position with God got diluted because of the type of women he chose to be with. They turned his heart away from God. Now, let's go back to Joseph. So Saul had false humility, and his character was not in place. How do I know his character wasn't in place? Because the thing that destroys any man or woman is the girl, that's what I'm talking about, my man, my men, the girls, the glitter, and the gold. All could be restated as power, money, and sex. That's what is the, the, the fall of any leader. You see, any leader throughout history, one of those three things is what will destroy their kingdom. Whole kingdoms were destroyed around power, money, and sex the gold, the glitter, and the girls. So if it's a woman, it'll be a man. Or if they're, if they're gender fluid, it could be uh, something, someone they're attracted to. Okay, so I recognize where we are. Um, but typically it's the gold, the glitter, and the girls when we're talking about men. But in today's day and age, uh, it could be you may be attracted to, you know, the same sex. And that's your prerogative. I don't have a heaven or hell to put you in. <laughs> so, but I just want to make sure that I'm being, quote, unquote, inclusive. All right, because I, I recognize I have a very diverse audience, and I'm not trying to offend anyone, but I'm still going to give you truth. Okay, so Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. Joseph, God, the Bible says that, that God was with him. Joseph was favored. And with and in being favored, Joseph was promoted. He went and he became the um the basically the 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 uh who we call them the estate manager. That's <laughs> what they call him today. He he was the estate manager of Potiphar's house. Now, as the estate manager of Potiphar's house, uh, Potiphar was a very powerful man. I'm sure his wife was very attractive, and Potiphar's wife wanted Joseph. Now, this wasn't a one-time thing. 
she went after Joseph repeatedly. And Joseph declined her advances repeatedly. Now, at, at this time, there was, um, at this time, Joseph was declining her wishes. Joseph kept saying no. Joseph kept saying no. Joseph kept saying no. One day, um, Potiphar was gone, and his wife approaches Joseph and said, come on, Joseph, nobody's here. Take me. No one will ever know. And the Bible says that Joseph left his garment in her hands. He left, and all she had was a piece of, her clo of his clothing. Well, she lied on Joseph and told her husband that Joseph raped her. Now, I believe, the Bible is not clear, but I believe that Potiphar knew his wife was lying because what would have kept Potiphar from having Joseph killed? Potiphar was a very uh, powerful man, but instead, Joseph found himself back in the prison that he was delivered from. He's in prison. Um, he had he had a very he had a a Red Sea moment. He had a moment of decision. These two people come in, the butler and the baker. You know, you guys know the story. Um, the butler and the baker comes in. He gives them a prophetic word. He interprets their dream, and one died as as it, as he as he, as the dream interpretation revealed, and one was promoted. The um it was the butler and the baker. The butler was promoted given his rightful position back serving the king. And the only thing Joseph asked him when he interpreted the dream, he told him, don't forget about me. What happened? The butler forgot about him. It was almost two years later that the butler remembered, because what happened was the king had a dream. It was two years later that the butler remembered who interpreted his dream. So then when the king was given a dream and no one could interpret it, the butler remembered who, who interpreted his dream. And so he made a recommendation to the king. Hey, when I was in prison, there was a young man in there named Joseph and Joseph interpreted my dream. So what did they did? The king called for Joseph. If you interpreted this guy's dream, then maybe you can interpret mine. Joseph cleaned himself up, shaved, went and presented himself to the, to the king and interpreted the dream. Y'all know the dream. They had seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Basically, God gave Joseph a plan and Joseph was uh, promoted, he was exalted, and his job was to fulfill the plan that God gave him to preserve, to preserve that kingdom. That's what happened. So Joseph, um, his gifts, his, 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 uh, his gifts, his talents made room for him and brought him before the king. Now, in that process, Joseph's character was being shaped. See, Oftentimes, when we find ourselves in the wilderness, a couple of things happen. Now, you cannot shorten your wilderness process, but you can sure lengthen it. Look at the children of say, well, how can you say that? Look at the children of Israel. They end up walking around the wilderness for 40 years. They were, it was never God's intention for them to die in the wilderness, but they're complaining, they're murmuring, extended their process. So the question that I have for you today is, are you extending your wilderness process? Are you learning the lessons that you should be learning? Is your character being cultivated? Are you getting closer to the Lord during this processing time? And if so, you'll actually see the prize fulfilled. So we had the promise that was 
the promises when we found out what we were supposed to be doing. Then we had the process, also many people call the wilderness. These are those painful experiences we go to on the way from, I believe that I received this all the way to I see it manifested. That's that in-between. So, um, and then the last thing is the promise being fulfilled. We call, we're calling that the prize. So what we've talked about today is the, the promise, the process, and the prize. So the prize is where you experience the outcome. The goal um, has been achieved. The promise that God made you has been fulfilled. That's the prize. Now, that's processing success. The promise, the process, and the prize. We have to become uh, very smart in navigating those three phases. And if we navigate those three phases correctly, we will see our goal fulfilled and the promises of God realized in our lives. Now, there's one scripture in my time of devotion that I came across and I found it very interesting. You know, the scriptures tell us there's a way that we can never experience failure. You heard me. The scriptures give us a lot of success ingredients. Second Peter 1 and 5, and I'm reading this from the easy-to-read version called the ERV. And this is what it says. It says, my brothers and sisters, God called you and chose you to be his. That's the promise. Do your best to live in a way that shows that you are really God's chosen and chosen people. That's you going through the processing. If you do this, you will never fall. It says, if you do this, you will never fall. Now, Second Peter gives us a whole list of ingredients to make sure that we never fall. Now, fall, that word is not a word that we would use often. We think about fall, you're thinking about literally someone, um, you know, stumbling, someone tripping. A different translation does call it stumbling. But that word is, um, it's a Greek word, and it's called pateo. I hope I said that wrong. And it's a verb. It means fall. Now, fall, if you go and you look at the Strong's G, uh, if you know anything about, you know, understanding the Greek and the Hebrew and coming to the etymology of a word, uh, is Strong's G 4417. And fall, when you look at the original translation, because the Bible was written in Hebrew and Greek and Arimathea and some other languages, is what comprises the Bible. So it was not written in English. That was not the language of that day. So, to fall means to err, to make a mistake, to fail, or to sin. So, I want to focus on the, the word to fail. So, it says, if you do this, you will never fail. What I did is replaced one of the, the, uh, the original translation with one of the different um, meanings of that word in the Greek. So, if you do this, you will never fail. So the scripture tells us there's a way in which we can never fail. Now, God gives us faith. He gives us grace. I want you to think about when you think of, when you hear grace, I want you to think about the word favor. And he gives us peace. Peace means a perfect well-being, all necessary good, all spiritual prosperity, freedom from fears and agitating passions and moral conflicts. That's peace. Peace means all spiritual prosperity. It means freedom from fears and agitating passions, and it means moral conflicts. 
Now, I'm going to say something. The peace of God is what we get when we, ex when we embrace the wilderness process. We're going to get spiritual prosperity. We, our spirit man is going to grow. The wilderness normally drives us to our knees where we get a degree in neology. <laughs> we develop our prayer life normally when we go through trials and tribulations. So that's why I want you to look at the wilderness process differently. The wilderness process is when we cultivate our relationship with him. We get those spiritual downloads from heaven. You get those ideas. You get that know-how that you would have not have gotten had you not went through the process. Let me be very honest. Most of my lessons that I have learned have been in very challenging times in my life. Most of my lessons, those sustaining lessons learned, came from adversity. I, I can't say that I didn't learn when things were going well, but I would say learning was most effective when I found myself in contrary seasons, when I found myself in wilderness seasons, when I found myself being processed in journey, that's when I learned my biggest lessons in life. Now, just, just, to, just to bring this thing full circle, 2 Peter 1 verses 5 through 10 gives us God's success strategies. And it talks about how we need these other things to add or bolt onto our faith so that we will never fail. Virtue, virtue, knowledge, temperance, we call that word long-suffering, self-control, um, patience, godliness, kindness, and charity. Charity we will also call as love. You know, for I think it's 1 Corinthians 13, they call it the love chapter. It talks about you can be a, you can have all these gifts, but yet if you have love, you're just making a bunch of noise. I, did, I gave you the curt paraphrase. So God gives us a success formula in 2 Peter 1. But I paid special attention to 10. But if you go back and you read that entire verses 1 through 10, he gives you the ingredients of success, how to never fall. Now I'm going to make a statement and I'm going to say that a lot of those ingredients of success come in the wilderness. A lot of that virtue, a lot of that knowledge, that self-control, that patience, um, godliness, kindness, charity, talking about when you're going through God's processing system comes in the wilderness. In the wilderness, you become way patient. <laughs> You get real patient in the wilderness. You, you get closer to God. You get more godly in the wilderness. Your virtue is developed in the wilderness. So is your faith, your grace, and your peace. A lot of these ingredients we develop in the wilderness. Most of our best potential comes out of us from, from pressure. You know, you hear all these stories, you know, movies like uh, Will Smith's movie, it's an oldie but a goodie, um, The Pursuit of Happiness. You know, he had a wilderness experience. He had a goal. You know, he wanted to become a uh, a trader. He wanted to be a broker on Wall Street. He went through the process. We've seen him and his son, you know, um, basically homeless. Uh, and then we've seen, we seen the the prize realized. He actually got the job. He went through the training program, and he got a job. With the, uh, with the bank. And today, if you know anything about his story, um, Charles Gardner 
the character that Will Smith plays, he's today still a successful investor. So we, 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 the movies are filled and cluttered with this stuff. But when we look at the life of the believer, the life of the Christian, um, many of us try to thwart, try to sidestep the wilderness. But the wilderness is necessary training ground for our long-term success and development. So I don't know where you may be in life right now, but the scriptures are very clear that trials and tribulations come to us all, but be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. But this is this one, this one fact remains. You are either in a storm, you are leaving a storm or you're heading toward a storm. So what I hope you get away or you take away from this podcast is no matter where you may be in life, I want you to operate in patience now, patience doesn't mean like what we think today in modern culture. Many of us think patient means your ability to endure, to put up, to sustain. What patience means from a biblical perspective is you're being consistent. So regardless of whether it's shining outside, whether there's a, a, a tornado or a hurricane brewing, my posture remains consistent. So I don't change. When the sun is up, I'm up. When the sun is down, I'm still up. So regardless of my position in life, I maintain a consistent position, a consistent posture. So regardless of whether you have just gotten your promise, whether you're being processed in the wilderness, or whether you've received the prize, your posture should be consistent is what I'm saying. So your position your attitude, that inward crucifixion that's working on the inside of you should allow you to maintain a posture. You should not be driven to and fro by the dictates of what happens to you. You know, we tell our kids it's not matter, it's not a matter of what happens to me, it's how I respond to the situation. We tell our kids this. But when we find our moments in that season of testing, in that season of being tried, in our wilderness experience, and wilderness experiences can last for short periods of time. Sometimes they can last a long period of time. But I'm going to say this. The severity of your wilderness process determines the, the weight of the prize on the other side. It takes a, it's a lot deeper foundation is built to erect a skyscraper than to erect a single-family one one uh single single floor residence so the weight the severity of your wilderness is normally indicative to the prize that god has for you on the other side so you can't look at what your colleagues and what your counterparts and what your friends and mom dad sister brother may have went through there may be a higher prize on the other side that god has for you and when that prize is it has a greater weight has greater density you cannot expect your processing to be the same you know the old folks in church would say things like you know New levels, new devils, which y'all know I don't really like that saying. I've said it a couple times, but I don't like it. But I understand what they were saying. They were talking about at the higher the magnitude in which you're going to soar, there's going to be greater perse persecution, greater tribulation, greater trials. And I'm going to say something. The area in which you're most challenged in 
is normally an indicator of what you're called to. If you find yourself being challenged often in your finances, that might be an indication that there might be a, a financial grace on your life. If you're troubled a lot in emotions, that, that's an indication where that may be what you're called to help other people in. You can't deliver somebody in an area that you haven't first overcome yourself. How do you help someone navigate a road you've never been on? You can't. I cannot give you directions of how to successfully get from A to B if I haven't been through A to B myself. So let's not take this negative perspective of the wilderness. I can't be a deliverer if I haven't first been delivered. Moses spent a lot of time, I think 40 years in the wilderness before he delivered the children of Israel. Stop despising the process. Now, I'm not going to say the process is fun. I'm not going to say the process is easy, but I am saying that the process is necessary. So if you, if you take nothing away from this conversation today, Change your perspective of the process. Change your perspective of the wilderness and recognize it's necessary if you're going to have what God wants you to have. You cannot buckle under the process. You can't shorten the wilderness, but you can show lengthen it based on how you manage it, how you navigate it. Embrace it. Embrace it. You are the answer to someone else's prayer. Let me say this one more time. You are the answer to someone else's prayer. Business owner, some employee is praying for a better job. Will you embrace the process? Job creator. Economic builder. Because I got a lot of entrepreneurs who listen to me. Embrace the process. Embrace the process. Many are called. Few are chosen. Why? You have to be processed. I don't care what you're called to do in life. If it's greater than you, you have to be processed. You would never expect. See, we look negatively at tests. I'm thankful that my physicians have passed tests so that when things may be going on in my body that I don't understand, it was all the testing that, that prepared them to give me the help and support I need. I'm thankful for the pilots that they went through tests. So we find ourselves traveling from the East Coast to the United Kingdom that we don't stall. The airplane doesn't stall out in the middle of the ocean and the pilot doesn't know what to do. I am thankful for the testing. I'm thankful for the engineers who built the bridges. And so when I drive my car over the bridge, the bridge can sustain the weight of, of my vehicle and all of the other vehicles. I'm thankful for those engineers that were tested, but we despise test. Test shows you what's in you. Test shows you areas in which you need to improve, to cultivate, to develop, to be better. 
But in today's day and age, we see testing as being a negative thing. Tests are good. Jesus was tested. And the Bible says that after 40 days and 40 nights of fasting, he, he did a good thing. He was fasting. The Bible says, read your Bible. He says he was led up into the mountain to be tempted of the devil, but God already knew what he was going to do. The test show you, you, and the test shows the tester that you have the goods necessary to go to the next level. Test reveal. We test our kids. All of us who have a driver's license, at some point, we went down to the local Department of Motor Vehicles in the United States, and we took the, uh, the written test to say we understood the rules of the road. We understood how to navigate the rules. And then after, after a period of time of applying those rules while learning to drive, we went back either to the driving school or to the Department of Motor Vehicles in our area, and they took, they took us through a series of scenarios. Went, turn right, turn left, stop, yield. They made sure you knew how to apply those rules in practice. That was a test. Stop trying to avoid and sidestep the test. Don't try to avoid the test. Embrace the test. The test shows where proficiency uh, abounds or where it's deficient. But you can't correct what you don't know. You show me someone who has achieved a lot in society. And I'll show you someone who has endured Various tests. See, it's not hard to get there. It's hard to sustain once you've gotten there. See, anyone can make a million dollars. I know some people say, well, man, it's easy for you to say. No, 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 no. It's not hard to make the million. Can you keep the million is the problem. My grandmother would say, any fool can make some money. But it's not how much money you make, it's how much you keep. The testing better ensures we're able to keep what God has given us. Can we keep what God gave us is the question. You got big dreams? Can you, can you pass big test? Can you pass big test is the question that I have for you. You have to submit that dream to the process. Every dream has to be submitted to the process to be fulfilled. For great vision, there must be great provision. Someone went through the testing to have the pro for the vision. The bigger the dream, the bigger the test. You cannot sidestep the testing. And that's all I want to say, guys. As you guys are navigating whatever season you are in your life, submit that dream that you got to God. Embrace the processing. 
so you can get the inward crucifixion, crucifixion excuse me, necessary to obtain and sustain and maintain the new levels in your life. And when you do have the, have the prize, if you go through the level of rigor necessary, you won't get lifted up in the pride. You won't be nasty to other people. You won't have any respect of a person. You'll operate in patience. The worst thing you can do is take someone who has not went through processing and promote them. Money, success, power are magnifiers. Whatever is in you, when you give someone power or money, it's going to magnify who they are, good or bad. If Joseph would have gotten promoted in his braggadocious state after he got that coat of many colors, we would have had a very insecure, nasty, unpatient leader. But that processing drove all of the drives out and minimizes many of our negative characteristics. Don't skip the process. We all are super focused on the destination. But what I'm telling you is enjoy the process. That's all I got for y'all today. I hope this was impactful. I hope it illuminated your mind in some ways and made you think about processing differently. Enjoy the process. Until next time. Thank you for joining me for another episode of the Business Profit Podcast. Please share, subscribe, rate, and leave a comment so others like you can find this podcast too. If you would like to connect with me, please use the links in the show notes to connect with me on all social media platforms. I welcome the opportunity to hear from you. Have a blessed week. Until next time.